That is a truism. We need him every hour. Amen. Well, this is a great day, a celebration of a very important thing. We have with us Dr. Wayne Evans and his wife and son, Regina and Jason. It is a joy and a privilege. I get to introduce him in a new way. Now, if you're watching Facebook, you might have an inkling. But Dr. Wayne Evans is the superintendent-elect, the general superintendent-elect of the EFC, the French Church Eastern Region. That's us. You're supposed to get real excited and clap. <laughs> no, actually, uh, I was, I was going to actually do that in just a moment, actually. But thank you for doing the precursor, Brad. That was a great shout. Dr. Wayne Evans is not only qualified and experienced, his heart has the heart of Christ all over it, mingled around it. We are fortunate to have a man that has served Christ in every way since he was a young man and came to know Christ as his personal Savior and then felt called of the Lord to be a pastor and has served everywhere from Ohio to Virginia. He's been on the mission field in many ways in Haiti, leading. And uh, Have you been in Alaska yet? So he's been from Haiti to Alaska and Canada. And he served our church, our churches so well. So what I'm going to ask you to do, now by the way, on Facebook, he calls Regina his first lady. Now I think that's cool. So to have Jason and Regina and Wayne in this new uh, area of their life, we're the first church. We're the first church is, has the opportunity to have him speak and give the word. Guys, you might want to bring the house lights up. I think it's time definitely to do that. And so what I want you to do now, elders, you lead it, because elders, I'm going to have you come up here as you're standing. You stand and give a Gilead Friends warm welcome to General Superintendent-elect Wayne Evans, Dr. Wayne Evans. You, you, may be, you may be seated unless you want to stand for the entire message. Guys, come up here and gather around him. And Harvey, I'm going to have you just pray over Dr. Evans, would you? Lord, we just thank you for who you are, for your presence here with us this morning. Thank you for Dr. Wayne. And we just ask, Lord, that you would bless him in his new role. We've joked with him a little bit about... Uh, congratulations or condolences <laughs> but lord we know that he he has a uh, a special gift from you and that he is in a new place of leadership and we pray your blessing upon this new opportunity that he faces just give him the strength and grace and bless regina and the and the family as they support him in this new endeavor Thank you, Lord, for his presence here with us this morning, and just pray that you would bless him now as he shares from your word with us. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Thank you, sir. Good morning. Uh, I'm humbled by that. Uh, you're very gracious. 
and, and kind. It, it's a privilege to be here. You know, we've walked down some roads together in the last number of years, and we've gotten acquainted with each other, and, and uh, just looking out and seeing your faces just does me a world of good. It's a, a, an exciting time. It's a scary time, too. And I would, I would welcome your, your prayers, thinking about uh, moving forward with this. Actually, um, according to the countdown clock in my phone, it is um, 244 days to our first yearly meeting. Right there. And it's 45 days until the changeover really happens, January 1st. And, uh, you know, when you count the days, when the Bible says, teach us to number our days, it's just one way of encouraging us to look to the Lord and say, each day, make it matter. Each day, let it come alive with your possibilities. And so we were praying that God will make each day like that between now and January 1st until yearly meeting 2014 and everything else that God has in store until Jesus returns. Now, Pastor Brian, Brian and Patty, you guys have been friends, oh, gee, for I don't know how long. We, it's, almost, it's not like we grew up together, but as adults, we've just been tight all along love you too and they've been good friends and pastor brian was too kind to tell you that in the early rounds of the interviewing i interviewed poorly and i think about how there would have been a time in my life when i might have i might have come on a little strong in interviews saying oh, okay here's what we're going to do now what we're going to do first we're going to do this and that and the other come on let's get on board let's go and be kind of like a house of fire and maybe being out there all by myself. <laughs> People may not want to follow somebody that's a house of fire like that. But one of the things that the Lord has taught me over the years is to not take myself so seriously, but to take his appointments seriously, which I do on this occasion thinking about these possibilities. Um, so I want to share some things I've learned from Psalm 25, the 25th Psalm, the first five verses. And, you know, the question comes to mind, who in their right mind wants to follow John Williams? You know, the guy has a brilliance about him in his mind and his heart and his life. Who in their right minds wants to follow that? And as I was praying about that, the Lord reminded me, don't follow John Williams, follow me. Amen. And that's true for all of us. Somebody said something today about our new boss. I said, drop and give me 20. No, nobody has dropped to give me 20 since any time they've ever called me boss. Because I, I don't think that that's what it's all about. It's about walking together. I'm the pastor of a church. The church ranges from Miami up to Chicago, over to Toronto, and back down towards Miami, and then around the world, but I'm the pastor of a church. 
We'll go through life together. So, Psalm 25, the first five verses. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. OMG. This one is done with a lot of heart, though. Do you ever notice people when they say OMG or they put it on their texting? It's not done with a lot of reverence. This one's with tremendous reverence, tremendous devotion. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. This passage, when I read it over just uh, probably Wednesday of this week, about the day that the announcement was made, I was reading this passage, and it it just struck me and and spoke to me, and I want to share this with you because of the heart that it brings into the thing. It gets it right about let it come from the heart. You see, one of the problems that I find in in moving around with so many different uh, pastors and churches is the idea of they just read the latest idea in Christianity Today or Leadership Journal or... They, they've gotten some book about some whiz-bang idea that's working great over here in this church. And so let's Xerox that into our church. And God will bless that too. And then they're shocked and surprised when they Xerox that great, wonderful new thing and it doesn't work. It strikes me the need for us to come with our hearts. Here in verse 1, it says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, I trust, oh my God. I I like it because in this passage, it starts with that connection between God and ourselves. As Pastor Brian said in praying a bit ago, the God of the universe paying attention to us. I think I was telling Bob outside here a little bit ago, when uh, I was a teenager, I felt called into the ministry the night before I turned 17 years old. And I struggled with that for a few days and finally gave in and said, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And so I went and told my dad that I felt called into the ministry. Of course, he was the same guy who at one point earlier sat down with me one day and said, what did you do so wrong you had to go and become a Christian for? I baptized him later on in life. (laughs) But dad went off one time. He was gone for three days, didn't know where he was. When he got back, um, he said, I've been going around different colleges, Wayne. Went to Fort Wayne Bible College and Asbury College and Malone College, and I've come to the conclusion you need to go to Malone College. Why do you think I ought to go to Malone College, dad? Well, because there, if this preaching thing falls apart, you can still get a teaching degree. <laughs> Dad's been in heaven now for a bunch of years. I wonder what he'd say about things now. 
But uh, here's a verse. It's a little later on in the psalm. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's another way of saying what is in this passage, the 25th Psalm. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I find that that's an interesting way of putting it, because what some people do is they have all kinds of wants. You know, we're getting closer to Christmas, and people are starting to think about, well, what's on your wish list this year? Well, let's see. I want this and I want that. Or you start thinking about, I want a different house. I want a different job. I, you know, I, I can't wait for the day when this happens or that happens or all these kind of things. We want, we want, we want. And there are people who will look at a verse like that and they think that God works in formulas. God doesn't work in formulas. They think God works in formulas, though, like if I go to church if I serve him, if I teach a Sunday school class, if I, if I tithe, if I do all of these things, God will be pleased with me, and then I'll get my wish list. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Problem with that is this, though. If you are delighting in the Lord, the desires of your heart will change. And instead of thinking, I want to get that car, I want to have that job, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that. When you delight yourself in the Lord, the kind of things that become the desires of your heart are things like, I want to be more Christ-like. I want to be someone of prayer. I want to bring people to Christ. I want to be an evangelist or a soul winner. When people are mean to me, I want to be kind back. When people disappoint me, I don't want to give up on them. When these become the desires of your heart and you're delighting yourself in the Lord, don't be surprised that that person who bugs you to pieces, in fact, they are viciously mean to you and they walk into your presence, don't be surprised if you look up at them and you find yourself thinking, oh, it's so good to see you, and you meant it from your heart. That is when you know that you're getting the desires of your heart, when those desires are being shaped by delighting yourself in the Lord. It's not a formula, please the Lord here, he'll give you that there. It's a relationship where he becomes my Mentor, he's the one I follow. He's the one I worship. He's the one that's given me every gift of, of being able to move around and do things. And, and I'm good at this, even if I'm not good at that, but I can use this. I use it for him. All of these things begin to focus more on him, delighting yourself in the Lord. And then people will be able to look at you and say, you're a different person. What happened to you? I don't know, but I know God's been awfully good to me. And suddenly you're given an opportunity of giving a good word to them for the Lord and bringing praise to the Lord. I want that, don't you? Isn't that a, uh, something to look forward to? In fact, I think it's possible that sometimes people are afraid to delight in the Lord because there is this idea, if you are serving God, by golly, you're never going to get that car. 
you're never going to get that job. You're never going to get that house. You're never going to get all those wonderful things that you want to have. Somehow God will take them away from you. That's why some pastors tell God, I will not, Lord, go to Hawaii to be a pastor. (laughs) I will not. (laughs) Because then, obviously, whatever you don't want to do, God's going to make you do. So, yeah. Pastor Brian in Honolulu. (laughs) And when you say, sign me up for that one, it's like, well, that'll never happen. I could never. I'm Todd. Where's Todd? I saw you up here a minute ago. Todd, I'm from Richwood. <laughs> this doesn't happen to anybody from Richwood. Unless God brings it to pass. All of these things, God's plans are always better than our plans. That's why we can say, as it says here in verse 1, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust. You could say, I trust in my dreams. I trust in my capabilities. I trust in whatever. In the Lord, we put our trust. We can do that because his ways are always better than our ways. There's a movie coming out before long. I don't know the date of the release, but... Uh, the second movie for Hunger Games. It's coming up soon. I saw the first Hunger Games. It's quite a movie. I understood zero of anything I saw the first time I saw it. It made no sense to me at all. So I went home and I read all about it on Wikipedia and I had to go back and see it the second time. I went back and saw it the second time. That's quite a movie. (laughs) Hunger Games 2 is coming out soon. I mention that for this reason. One of my prayers for myself and for all of us in Eastern Region is that we get hungry for God. You know, it's possible to get satisfied. You get to Turkey Day in another week or two, and uh, along about, what, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to be sacked out during a football game because you've, you've taken care of that. You're no longer hungry. It's possible sometimes to be like that with God. In fact, that ought to be one of the triggers to bring us back to the Lord is I want to be hungry for him, desperate for him. And in our, our, our seeking him, God somehow seems to bless those times richly. There have been a few times over the years where we needed something done, needed a plumber, needed a gardener, needed a carpenter we needed somebody who could do things that we couldn't do and it's been interesting because you can go out and you can hire people in Canton it's a big thing to hire somebody to mow your yard we still mow our yard but it's a big thing to hire somebody to mow your yard and there are people they come along and you need your yard mowed okay um, 50 bucks a week I'll get your yard mowed okay now and they come in and they unload and they mow your yard and they load it all up and they're going right down the road because they got another one to do. And they get that one done, they got to go do another one. And because they are so intent on moving on from one to another, they may swing wide on some of their turns. Or there are things that they don't do quite as well. It's interesting if you can find the person who is just starting out. 
and they don't have but three customers. You're number four, man, they want to make you happy. They want you to be a raving fanatic for their services so that when you are talking to your friends, you can tell your friends, you got to get so-and-so. They are great. It's all because they're hungry. Do you ever notice when people are hungry, they will do extra? Or it's like, as a pastor, I loved it when there were new Christians in the church. And, and they just are big-eyed about everything. Oh, gee. And, and they'll call you up at 11 o'clock at night. And they'll say, Pastor, I was reading this verse. I don't know what that means. What's that all about? Can you tell me? And you're thinking, well, uh, actually, Daryl, um, that has to do... And you, you go in to try to give them something because they are so intent. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's bedtime. And they don't know that you are turning in. They don't know that you've... Uh, You've walked away from things for a while. But they're oblivious to that because they're just so hungry. They've got to know, how does this work? How does this work? Teach me. Show me. It's exciting. I can't get enough. Regina was born uh, probably in the front row, the front pew at Fulton Creek Friends Church. That's a little exaggeration, but she's been there pretty much since she was about a week old, I think. Uh, I was not. I came to the Lord as a teenager when a friend of mine kept bugging me about going to church with him. I thought, well, if I go to church with him once, maybe I'll get him off my back. And that was the day I came to the Lord. And uh, the world opened up. The Bible that looked like this suddenly became like this. These were love letters from God. He had the secrets of the universe laid out here. And I just started devouring it. When Regina and I were dating, she said, uh, boy, you're picking up on the Bible about stuff that I've been around it all my life. And I don't quite get it here or there. And I said, well, that's because you've been around it. You could take it for granted. This is all new stuff to me. This is great. And we feed off of each other. And we're, we're walking through here the last three months of this year. We're walking through Oswald Chambers' um, my, my utmost for his highest. Uh, we're working through that for our devotions. It's exciting. Sharing God's thoughts back and forth. It's a tremendous thing. So being hungry for God it has a way of, of changing us because everything changes. You draw closer to God, he's there, and he begins to fill you so that the squabbles turn into fellowship. People that you scowl at or you feel like they scowl at you, you have a genuine, authentic smile for them. And a good greeting. What I want begins to shrink. And what he wants begins to emerge. You find that you have a whole different spirit of thankfulness. Especially as we think about coming on to the Thanksgiving season. 
to have a spirit of thankfulness. Where does thankfulness come from that allow you to celebrate Thanksgiving wholeheartedly? It's in our hunger for the Lord that he begins to work in our lives and bringing things out to a, a new level of, I guess really, we could call it revival. You find a lot more graciousness to the person who cut you off in traffic. Or when 71 was locked up so that you couldn't move anywhere for the last six months without getting behind an orange barrel or that trucker that would not move over to the other lane. You're a lot more gracious. Say, we'll get there. If you do much flying through airports and they had to cancel a flight and the whole plane load of people has had to go to customer service and they're up at the counter at customer service and one after the other start berating the poor people behind the counter who had absolutely nothing with ruining your day. And to be able to go up there and say, I'm going to be kind. What can you do for me? And have them say back, oh, thank you. Thank you. Graciousness. And then there will be acts of kindness. And, and one other quality I want to highlight, and that is drive. To get closer to God, some people mistakenly think by getting closer to God, you're of, of less earthly value. By getting closer to God, you, you get lost in the clouds somewhere. And exactly the opposite is, is true. Because it's when you are closer to the Lord, you get closer to your spouse. You get closer to your family. When you are uh, walking closely with the Lord, that's when you become a good husband or father or wife. You become a, a good employee or a neighbor or a relative or a citizen or churchman. That's when the good stuff comes out. That's why God's plans are always better than our plans. It's foundational for us to get hungry again. For verses 4 and 5, take a look at that. And notice that verses 4 and 5 did not come as verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2 are where it says, we're putting our trust in God. That is first and foremost. Then we come to verses 4 and 5 where it says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. I like that because there are things that we need to do. And, and by that, I'm talking about even within the eastern region, within the churches. I mean, we got more ideas than you can shake a stick at, honestly. Of doing a little here, a little there. You know, we could come along with all these kind of grandiose plans like I was describing earlier. That what we need to do is this. We're going to start doing this. And we're going to start doing that. We're going to build buildings. We're going to give rebates to churches. Hey, they didn't say amen to that one either. <laughs> Talk about motivation. We could do all of those kinds of things. If we did them first, nothing. You get first things first. And then you ask, God, show me the path. The things we need to do. Whether, whether it's ideas on how to help strengthen the local church or strengthen pastors. Or to strengthen things with our college or with our mission fields and our missionaries. There are all kinds of ideas on stuff like that. 
deepening the, the roots? You know, how can we make the website more effective? What kind of gatherings or events would help our pastors be better capable of answering certain kinds of things that come their way? Uh, all that kind of stuff. We got ideas on those things, and these things matter. The path that you take matters. In fact, the things that I, I was talking about in, in trying to do things that help the local church and the mission fields and the college, all those different kinds of things, are these new things? Probably not. I think a lot of them are probably the same things that Russell Myers did when he was general superintendent or Bob Hess or John Williams. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. What is new? What is different, though? You know, if we want to bump up something here, or we want to take something there, or we're going to restructure it like this, or we're going to start something fresh over there. What's different about any of that stuff? It's this, our hearts. For example, in one church, um, it was a church where people were, they were squabbling all the time. Seems like there was always something going on. I remember going to this one place, um, they had a fight over whether or not to have a Christmas tree on the stage. Now, if it was off the stage, that was okay with some. Put it up on the stage, oh, now we got a church in crisis. I mean, they were... And they were surprised that they were running people off. <laughs> um, and you know, this church did every one of those kind of things that they heard coming down the pike. What you need to do is you need to do this. And this is working for uh, Rick Warren. And this is working over at Willow Creek. And this is working over here. And this is working over there. And they tried them all. And they were surprised when none of them worked. It's like, hey, we did all the right things. What's wrong? There came a point in the life of that church where they got broken. I was in a meeting with them and took somebody from the EP&E board with me. And uh, one of the guys had the presence of mind in the midst of all the difficulty they were having. One guy stood up. He said, what's wrong with us? And I thought, okay, Lord, this isn't politically correct, but here it is. I said, be nice. You nitpick each other to pieces. And they took that to heart. And they started making new memories. And their hearts opened up. I was in another meeting later on, and I could see the difference in their faces. I could feel it from their hearts. And they were saying, we love our community. We just want the people around here to know that we love them and that we pray for them. And what we wondered about doing... What do you think of this, Wayne? We've been wondering about having maybe just a chili supper. And we could invite him in for a bowl of chili and just say, we love you and we pray for you. Is there anything we can do for you? And my heart melted. Because as I told them in that meeting, I said, you could, you could knock on doors. You could do all of the different things you've been doing. They, even, they bought a, a thousand copies of the Jesus movie. And they went and hand-delivered it to everyone. I mean, they were hard workers. And they were willing to spend the money. I mean, bless their hearts. They did everything they knew to do. When they got their heart right, 
And they said, we just want to invite the neighborhood for a bowl of chili so we can tell them we love them. We pray for them. Ask if there's anything we can do for them. And they did it. And it, it wasn't like this big uh, wave, but it began to happen. It was almost like the community said, okay, a couple of us are going to give it a try. A couple of us are going to give it a try. And people began to respond and find out they were genuine. They meant it. It wasn't what you say because you're Christians. It's because it came from their heart. We love you. We pray for you. Is there anything we can do for you? And it was the turning point in that church. A chili soup supper. You know, I don't know of any pastor who goes around the country selling his program of how to have chili soup suppers to grow the church. But it works. You can do a lot of things. When your heart's in it, people respond. So in chapter or in verse 1, where it says, we're putting our trust in God. And in verse 4, where it says, teach me your paths. God will show us. God will show us. And then it finishes up in verse 5 with the declaration, you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day it finishes up where it started with the Lord. Except there's a difference between verse 1 and verse 5. Verse 1 is, I'm lifting my soul up to you, O Lord. By verse 5, it is, in you, I'm finding my hope. There, there is a turn in attitude from verse 1 to verse 5. Instead of, I'm going to do this if kills me, I'm going to do it. By verse 5, here it is, the confidence of hope that's ringing true and coming alive and, and spreading out. God doing his work in our midst and through us and among us. And that's an exciting thing for us to see. There are a lot of people in life who don't get to that point until they go through a tragedy. They go through some calamity that gets their attention. There was somebody just last night. I've been seeing this over the last few days on Facebook. Uh, this uh, guy that Regina was in high school with who was writing in Bible verses in his Facebook entries. Very unusual for him to do that. And, and saying, this really spoke to me this morning. And so I, I wrote on, on Messenger to one of the other classmates and I said, what's up with Steve? And she, she said, you don't get the Gazette, do you? And I said, no, don't get the Gazette. And she said, well, Steve and his two buddies were out hunting. And Steve was up in the tree, sawing off a limb, and the limb fell on his best friend's head and killed him. And I said back to her, I said, I'm so thankful that Steve is finding in the Lord the capacity to stay afloat during that tragic time sometimes and I don't know about this for Steve but I think there are a lot of people it's not until the wife walks out the door and says she wants a divorce that the husband says I need to be a different kind of a guy pastor what can you tell me about spiritual things it's not until that moment 
does transformation begin to mean anything to them? Don't, don't let it come to a point where there is pain that is shoving you into making decisions, and by making the right decision, you finally start getting real with God and serving the Lord. Don't wait for the pain. Let it be now. Here is an invitation to get hungry for God all over again, to say, I, I want to desire more than anything else to walk with the Lord. I, and by him, he'll help me to know about the things that I want and don't want, the things I aspire to and don't aspire to. The Lord will take me through all of those things. He'll show me the paths. He'll, he'll give me a plan. He'll help me get it through. I want to be hungry for God. Are you hungry for God today? Are you satisfied where you are? Here's one of the things I find out about being satisfied where you are. When you're satisfied, it, it's kind of like having a blanket around you on a cold day. It just sort of insulates you. And, and what ends up happening if you carry a blanket around you very often is you start getting sweaty. And people who are satisfied in the Lord, and they're insulated that way, they start getting sweaty. Why? Because they're doing everything they can by every means they can using every strength they possess to run their own show. And when you try to run your own show, you run out of energy. You're depleted. But in the Lord, when that insulation is taken off, he begins to flow through, and it's like, I have more love than I expected. I have more energy than I expected. I have more purpose than I expected. I've got things available to me that I didn't have when I was all insulated. Are you hungry for God? Don't you want to be hungry for God? Letting him give you the energy for each day's service, whatever it is, at work or at home or in the neighborhood, to give your all to the Lord. It's being hungry for God. We could start with all kinds of things and list out all the things we want to do, all the uh, all the ideas about moving the mission banquet to a different place and call it a missions festival. I mean, we could just run through tons of ideas like that. If we don't get the first things first right, it won't matter. That's what I'm convinced of getting this thing started. And where you are in your life, you may be struggling. You may have yourself insulated, and you're struggling because you've, you're carrying around this blanket. You're trying to keep control. Get hungry for God. Get rid of the blanket. He'll give you the energy you need. He'll give you the heart that you need. He'll give you the direction you need too. And one more thing, he'll give you the blessings you need. It's okay to get hungry for God. It's the best way to live in all the world. Would you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for your invitation to walk with you. That we don't seek you out and hunt you out like you're hiding from us. You're the one that has approached us. You sent your only begotten son for us. And so, Lord, even in these moments, whether we're talking about a church 
or we're talking about our individual lives. Thank you for the scriptures that show us to be hungry for you makes all the rest of it fall into place. Help us to be hungry. Help us to feed upon the things of God and to find the desires of our heart being changed and blessed and found. We praise you today. Thank you for Pastor Brian. Thank you for this lovely church. Pray that you'd bless them with all of your great intentions. Bring them to pass. And we'll praise you both now and forevermore, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm actually going to have you be seated, most of you that can. If you must go, you can go. But we're going to have a baptism mm. of Trey uh, Gingrich, and that's going to be an exciting moment. So, And you might even want to move up closer. If you must go, of course you may. But we really want you to be participative in this great event. So if the Gingriches would go to this room. Brad, would you make sure that, that door so they could change in that room right over there? And Wayne, thank yeah, you. God bless thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks, Brian. Would you like this? And so what, um, what I'd like uh, all of you to remember as we prepare for this neat and glorious event in Trey's life, we're excited. You would have loved being in the meeting with Trey, but he has a testimony for us as uh, as soon as he's ready, we're going to do that. Mom, I think, is going to be on that side and uh, be ready to receive Trey out of the baptismal. But I want to remind the church what we're doing today. In this act of worship, this is an outward symbol, amen, of an inward condition. And you're going to hear Trey speak to that in just a second. And so, Church of Jesus Christ at Gilead, you now will be additional parents for Trey. Now, his real parents have the trump card and the last word. But you are going to be encouragers and lovers, and you're going to just love this young man in his beautiful testimony of what God has done in his life, his inward commitment to his Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, as soon as they come back out, we're going to have that testimony. In this room, Wayne, you mentioned your, uh, your experience of being baptized. And then, and then you baptized your father. Was that, that was a glorious event. Has anybody here this morning been baptized in the Jordan River? Well, we're going to all take a trip to the Holy Land one day, and we're going to make that an event for all of us. Everybody ready for that? You all in for that? Okay. Uh, I think we would all be able to just be translated almost if we were able to do that uh, someday. But this day is extraordinarily special in Trey's life. And there they are. Now, guys, I'm going to take off my shoes and socks. Dad, you can just hold that. And I want you guys to, uh, I know he's not going to preach a sermon, but I want him to, to say what he told me that day in his own words, in his own way, why he's being baptized. Dad, you want to hold that? Jesus has been telling me to get baptized for a really long time, so and I want to show people that I... I love the Lord, so I'm going to be baptized. (laughs) 
Isn't that powerful? All right. Mom, you take your place. It is a wonderful 90 degrees. Praise God for technology. Church of Gilead, this is Trey Gingrich. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he is in this place on this day in his life to testify to you as his witnesses to that inward commitment by the outward symbol of being baptized by the Lord Jesus Christ, fire of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, Trey, I'm going to have you stand like this. We're going to go down under the water just real briefly and back up. And you, I don't know if you want to hold your nose. or You're a swimmer, so it doesn't matter, does it? All right, we're going to go backwards. You're just going to have to trust me, okay? So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we baptize Trey Gingrich. You okay? The old man is buried and the new man is raised with Christ. Amen. Another round of applause. Church, stand with me. I'm standing. You just don't know it. Brian, I... Heavenly Father, bless this church in the name of Jesus Christ. May we go in power and strength in your name. And the Gilead Friends Church said together, Amen. Amen. Amen.